I do have to say that I like a good street taco. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's one of those fine things. You find that good roach coach. Absolutely. Mm, man. I know. Little hint of lime, a uh-huh. little bit of cilantro. I, exactly. Oh. Yeah, nothing better. Yeah. That is good stuff. And from my experience, usually like the sleazier and, and, and questionable, the more, you know, that little roadside thing is usually the better tasting. 100%. There's a reason why you go in the evening when it's kind of dark outside <laughs> and you can't see. Uh-huh. I mean, you don't need your eyes to sense. Yeah. Just smell and taste. That's right. Another good hint is when I'm the only white guy there and everyone else is looking at me, hey, gringo, what are you doing here? Then you know the food's good. Yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd like to welcome you out to another episode of the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. I'm Jared Ross. And I'm Chris Johnson. And sitting in the room with us, but probably going to be remaining quiet is... Josie Ross. All right. Just we there. have a spectator. Uh-huh. Fly on the wall. That's okay. We'll make fun of them throughout the podcast and embarrass them. That's what it's all about. Well, before we get going in today's podcast, uh, I know one thing that I've realized that we've never really done on this podcast is try to do advertisements for some of our swag and some of our other stuff. So we have a whole bunch of shirts and other things that are available on the website. We have the brand new Light Fighter shirt. And this is just the first of multiple planned uh, shirts and, and apparel with uh, the Light Fighter theme. But the reason why I was thinking of this is just yesterday we got the final artwork for the Lodestone podcast shirt. And I think we'll also make some stickers, maybe even a patch or two. Um, so all of you that are you know, long-time listeners, and you want to rock that uh, that merchandise, it's coming. It is coming. <laughs> yes, it is. And the uh, the, the logo itself is, uh, or what we're going to use, it's it's a classic. Wouldn't you say that? It's, it's, a, it's a classic. Timeless. Yeah. Timeless. Timeless, yeah. So uh, I dig it, so I, I hope you guys will too. So again, we have all kinds of stuff up on the website, uh, everything from uh, shirts, to some books, uh, a lot of free stuff. You can get free targets and target ideas as well as a lot of PDF books and things you if get. If you as haven't checked it out in a while, I definitely recommend you checking it out. Yeah. We're adding stuff all the time. So this podcast is going to be coming out Monday, November 1st. So tomorrow, or November 2nd, is, is the election. Get out and vote. Get your friends to get out and vote. In Pennsylvania, it's very important for us to get out and vote for Judge Kevin Brobson for the PA su- Supreme Court. We need as many good constitutionalist uh, judges as we possibly can. And for those of you in Virginia, yes, get out and vote for, for your governor. We are uh, very supportive of, of you guys in Virginia and hope you can uh, pull that one out. Virginia is another Commonwealth, isn't it? Yes. We have to stick with the Commonwealth. You know? <laughs> yes, we do. Virginia, Kentucky, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have some good friends down there, uh, Jimmy and those at F3. There are a lot of people that listen to us in Virginia that yeah. I consider good friends. Yes, absolutely. All right. So the next thing then, uh, November 3rd, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. I know it's been floating around in different circles and more and more in social media, but there is a shutdown or a walkout uh, on November 3rd. And this has to do with the vaccine mandate. And I'm very supportive of that. 
I think it's a really good thing to stand mandate up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> to, to to stand up opposed uh, you know, to that mandate. Uh, I don't. The question isn't whether the vaccines are safe and effective, or whether they're not. It all comes down to freedom, and in this country, nobody has the right. No organization has the moral authority to mandate something along those lines to tell you that you have to do this or or, or else. It's a very slippery slope. Absolutely. Uh, the issue is, is about freedom. It's not about whether it's safe or not. What is the United States of America? What's the difference between a democracy and a republic? We are a republic, uh, even though we're acting more and more like, like a democracy. So the difference is in the democracy, majority rule. So the majority can vote on anything. And as long as they win, then, then that goes. A great way to, to illustrate it, you know, the way I was taught as a kid, is you have three farmers. One farmer needs a horse. One farmer has one horse, and all he needs is one. And then one farmer has two horses. He only needs one. So the three of them get together and vote. And the one who has none and the one who has one, they all vote, hey, uh, we want you to give your extra horse to this first farmer. Majority rule. In a republic, the rights of the individuals are protected. So you can't forcefully take, you can't steal from individuals. You can't force them to, to do anything. The rights of the individuals in a republic are protected. And that is what we are. That was what our nation was founded on. So this idea that even if a majority thinks everyone has to be vaccinated or like uh, or, or, or everyone has to have an ID card. It's very the thing that annoys me here is how we're picking and choosing our battles. You know, we're we're saying that you have to have a, a vaccine passport to enter a restaurant, but you don't have to have an identification card to vote. Yeah, it's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If we're going to. Again, I completely disagree with the the whole concept of uh, majority rules. But if that's the case, you know, it, it's across the board. Like I said, dangerous, slippery slope. Majority decides that what's the next epidemic? What's the next thing that exactly. we're worried about? Well, oh, we're, we're terrified of automobile accidents because that's a, a true killer. So let's take cars away from those that are undeserving of cars. Um, it's... That same logic that is being applied to everyone has to have a vaccine and forcing everyone to do this, whether they want to or not, that's the same logic that then, then can mandate gun confiscation. Oh, we want to clean up the streets. We, we want safety. Well, we need to confiscate those guns for, for the good and for the health of, of everyone. It's, it's the same logic. And there are people who are just waiting with bated breath. For people to accept that. Yep. You know, as in my current circumstances, I have suffered from this this uh, virus. Um, I've lost my wife. It has not changed my stance on individual freedom at all. I don't think that by taking someone's freedom away, it would have ever saved my wife. I sacrificed myself on the altar of freedom multiple times, having the ability to choose. My wife willingly let me do that. And in the same turn, we lost her this time. Um, but freedom is important. So when I have people that try and bring them, oh, but the danger. Oh, I know firsthand the danger. Yep. I lost my wife. But freedom is great. And my wife believed that too. Freedom and liberty don't guarantee safety. No. 
They don't. They don't guarantee any kind of outcome. If anything, they only promise hardship. They almost promise struggle. And then we grow and we're better because of that struggle. So again, this issue isn't about, is it safe or not? The issue is freedom. And are we going to let people control us? Yeah. You know, we, we talked about it. Um, what happened with Southwest Airlines? Yeah. Yeah. Despite what the news is reporting, that was a walkout because they were protesting the mandate. So I have a friend that is a, a pilot uh, and he brought out, a, you know, we only see things from our per, our perspective, from our lens. You know, I was looking at a, hey, you know, these guys wanted their freedom to choose. They didn't want to have to um, have someone dictate what they put in their bodies. Uh, he brought up the fact that as pilots, you have to pass a flight physical. And the blood clotting issue is an issue that could cause these individuals to lose their livelihood. So even pilots that completely believe in you know the need for this still have to weigh that, hey, the side effects of this could be so bad that I could never fly again. Yeah. And that's a major concern. So it's we have to look beyond the whole situation and everything that's going on. As you guys know, we're big believers of principles versus techniques. Those truths versus, you know, whatever techniques we preach it all the time when it comes to the to the range and firearms handling. But it's kind of it's not kind of it is the same thing here. You have to stand on principle. You have to stand on those truths. And if you don't understand or if you don't have those truths to stand on as a sure foundation, then you can definitely be tossed to and fro with, you know, and led emotionally to make decisions. That's how that's how virtually every well, the Nazis when Hitler took over, that's an emotional thing. The the Bolshevik Revolution, again, an emotional thing. Everyone being carried away with mob rule. With, with emotion, 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 instead of stopping and thinking about what's truth, what's logical, and, and standing with that truth, taking those, those hard stance. So, again, on, on the third, fully uh, support you in, uh, in not going to work or not doing your thing, uh, along with, you know, millions in, in the United States. All right. Anything else you want to say about that? No. No. I- Sorry, I got a little passionate. That, that, I, I that, believe in freedom. Yeah. I'm very passionate about it. And one last thing, I guess, before we go is we are not saying that the vaccine is bad. That's that's your personal choice. You decide. And I've got good friends who who have taken the vaccine and they're very passionate about it, thinking it's the right thing and good for them. And I've got some friends who also are very uh, educated and have done a lot of research and think the vaccine is, is bad. Uh, and that's, again, good for them. That's one of the things that makes this this country great or did make this country great is the ability to be an adult, being treated like an adult and make up your own mind and make up your own decision. And we can all get along. But uh, if we don't stand with something this that I think is so crystal clear, whether you are in support of the vaccine or not, but standing up for, for freedom, freedom, if if. We can't stand up for this. Then, then what the heck can you stand up for? Um, to me, it's the argument that over you know freedom versus tyranny uh, is, is is pretty cut and dry. <clears throat> All right. So originally, what we were planning on talking about today, we we're going to 
talk about training and we're going to talk about some of the differences and the pros for static training as well as dynamic training. You know, there's a time and a place when, yeah, you need to stand still and you need to, to work those fundamentals and then also the importance of, of moving on the range. Um, but we're not really going to get into that. Instead today... Well, it, this is kind of my ahead. fault. Uh, tonight I'm, I'm teaching, this is Friday the 29th, I'm <clears throat> teaching a GPS class. And so as I'm preparing, you know, anyone that has done any of the land nav classes with me knows I hate GPS. I still use it. And the reason why I hate it is we're so dependent as our society on technology. And so as I'm preparing, you know, tweaking the class and getting ready and giving the pros about a GPS and why you should have a GPS and what you can do with a GPS and going over uh, different software options that are out there and things that really will make your life easier, uh, kind of, I'm not going to say that I was drinking the Kool-Aid of the GPS because it's always in the back of my head that uh, we are way too technologically dependent. So Jared and I were talking about this, and we thought, you know what, something we haven't really talked about, I, mean, I know we've touched on it when Dan was here with the, uh, the communication piece and hardening uh, your electronics, but EMP, electromagnetic pulse. Um, and I know that, I mean, me personally, when I think of EMP, I automatically go to a very, very horrible movie, Escape from L.A., so I, I, I tried. I watched Escape from, from uh, New York. Escape from New York yeah. is a cold classic. Escape from L.A. Yeah, I, I tried. Just, I couldn't get through that. Yes, one. it was. It, but at the end, you know, the, the whole thing he's going in to recover the, the device. Mm-hmm. At the end, he pushes a button and turns the world back to the Stone Age. Eliminates all electronics. You know, that was like, shoot, that movie came out in the 90s. I was still probably in high school. Uh-huh. That was my idea of EMP, that we hit a switch and everything is gone. Um I have learned a lot more about it since uh, the 90s when I was in high school. Um, I've done a lot of research into this. I think that as far as weapons of mass destruction go, this is a very likely weapon. Yeah. Because it's usable. Um, Those of you who may or may not know, we threatened Saddam with an EMP way back in the 90s. We threatened him with a low-altitude something that would shut down major portions of, you know, Baghdad. Um, And it wasn't science fiction. It it was doable. Um, So I think there's a lot of um, Hollywood, uh, you know, that Escape from L.A., like hit a switch and all the lights go off. Great book if you haven't read it, One Second After. Um, Not necessarily about EMPs, the stuff that's in there, very plausible, but about the humanity and yeah, the things yeah. that go on, I do recommend giving that a read. Um, but being the Green Beret and unconventional warfare, man, an EMP, that is a juicy, juicy weapon. It is something that, you know, you look at a Carver Matrix, EMP fits right in there. I mean, it is a very viable system. And we should be looking at that as, are we prepared for this? So what is an EMP? For those of you who should know, but if you don't, an EMP is a short burst of electromagnetic energy. To quote from uh, the always accurate Wikipedia, 
According to research from the United States Department of Homeland Security, EMP weapons have the potential to disrupt unprotected critical infrastructure within the United States and could impact millions over large parts of the country. There is some concern about e there is some concern about EMP threat, but no accurate prediction on how many people would face massive damages from such an attack. So there's you know, a little bit. That, what is it? It's a burst of electromagnetic energy. What are some of the things that cause it? Lightning, solar flare, or an actual you know, man-made device. You know, I'm, as I was prepping for this, this podcast, I was reminded of a story my grandfather told me where he was pretty stingy growing up with the Depression and everything, so he usually didn't spend money on anything nice, but he finally uh, relented and bought a brand new uh, like stereo system, which you know, this was like new. <laughs> stereo systems were, were new, so it was a big deal for him to buy for his family. And he said, so he bought it, it had, he only had it for a couple of days, and in his house, you could be in his bedroom, and you could see down the hallway into the living room, you could see then further into the kitchen where he lived. And he was in his bedroom, he told me, and then he heard and saw a flash of light, boom, from a, from a lightning. And then he looked down the hallway, and right after he heard the thunder and saw the flash, he said, I saw a blue ball go across the room. <laughs> and so it was you know, obviously from, you know, from the lightning strike. And so then his brand new, you know, brand new to him, uh, brand new to the world, uh, stereo whatever system, uh, was fried. Yeah, never worked again. So, you know, we're going to talk a lot about protecting. Um, one of the things that you got to understand with the EMP is not getting into the science nerd stuff, um, not picking on the science nerds out there, Dan. Uh, but you're struck by lightning, you know, your house is struck by, it's grounded, things like that. There's a, a, a flow for the energy to go. There's a surge in the, the grid you have anything, anything of value or importance you have on a surge protector. Mm -hmm. And it's rated to take so many joules, so much energy. The problem is the EMP is so much faster than what that system is rated. F faster and more powerful. Yes. Yeah. And so it, it is, I mean, even if you, you did have a billion joule, you know, whatever uh, trip system, the EMP, the pulse is going to be faster than that's capable of switching. So when you talk about, we're going to go into hardening things. Um, know your surge protector is not going to protect it. You know, uh, just the plain grounding in your house, it's not going to protect it. Um, so you got to remember, it's faster. It is more than just a lightning strike. Yes. So you'd mentioned, you know, let's let's talk right right there about. Uh, about being in, it being used as a okay as yeah a first strike. Yeah. All right, okay. so um, little history. We kind of discovered EMPs when we were doing all our um, testing back in the Cold War for nuclear weapons. We saw that you know we have this ability to knock out uh, electronical devices, um, and as we've become more and more dependent upon our electronical devices, and I mean shoot, uh, just stop and think you're hearing us right now via electronic device it's probably in your car or it's on your phone that you're working out in the gym you got bluetooth headset on you've got a lot of electrical electrical devices that you're utilizing um so yeah it can 
it can shut all these things off. It can make them into bricks so that they're no longer doing their job. It's not like Ocean's Eleven, where they use the EMP to shut down all of Las Vegas for 30 seconds, and, and, and then, then everything reboots. It, yeah. it burns it out. Yeah, once it's yes. done, it, it's done never to return again. Yeah. So, of course, you know, Cold War era, we're looking, hey, we could shut down Moscow. Hey, if we shot enough of these off high altitude, you know, high orbit uh, detonations, you don't have to worry about fallout. Again, you know, this is a weapon, a first strike weapon, mm-hmm. a uh, weapon of mass destruction that you can utilize that in three weeks. And that's just to let the chaos wear down. You can put your people in that area and you don't have to worry about anything. You can bring your own technology and it's going to work. Mm-hmm. So you can effectively you can be killing millions without killing anyone. With, yes. Um, so. Cold War, we are looking at those big, huge type things. And doing the research, one of the things, you know, it, it's got a large footprint. Um, you know, if you, it's a, it's still a wave. So if you manage not to get everything, um, they can have a counter strike. So it has to be utilized um, and planned very, very well. I know where you're going and how you're going to, so I'll, I'll I'm going to jump in. You're going to jump in, okay? Yeah, because I know where you're going, and and that's that's a a good assessment. Um, But before he goes where where he's going, um, because he's going to go small scale, I well, I'm going the Green Beret way. I I want to talk a large scale. So, China, China has openly since the early '90s said that an EMP attack will be their first strike attack against us, or will be their counter strike against us if we interfere when they go to take Taiwan. So what have we seen in the past? I mean, you don't need to be reading the tea leaves to see how aggressive China has been getting with taking Taiwan, with the sorties that they've flown, with all their radar, um, saber rattling, with, with everything that, that they're doing. They're preparing the world for them to go and militarily take Taiwan. I doubt they're going to do it before they host the Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics end February 20th. So as they're doing and as they're posturing, it would certainly make sense for them sometime after the Winter Olympics to uh, to get very aggressive with, with Taiwan, more aggressive than what they have, and take it. I mean, they've, they've already said they're going to do it. It's a matter of, of if, not when. And again, what if we have the political will to stand up to them or to even defend Taiwan at this point, and, and that's questionable. Again, since the early 90s, that is what China has. That's their doctrine. And, and it, it is completely plausible. Yes. I mean, what we're talking about is not, it's not science fiction. And, and with their, again, with China, with, with their economy collapsing the way it is, there's a couple of options that, that, that we can go. We suffered a major uh, setback in 2008. And with us being the mostly free uh, society that we are, we chose to go one way. But with a regime like they have in China that is so controlling, one of their... Favorite ways to go when they have a failing economy is is to attack, is to start a war, is to you know justify invading somebody else because that certainly helps build up it's a their great, economy. It's a great boon to the you know injection right into the financial arm of your uh, your nation. Exactly, and it also takes uh, you know instead of having people being all upset because we don't have as much food as we used to, now they can funnel all that anger, anger, towards, towards and frustration else. exactly yeah. towards somebody else. So, if China's economy continues to tank. That's just a logical thing for them to do. All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, no, you're, you're good. So 
absolutely nation state against nation state. That is completely viable. Um, and Jared said, yes, I am going to go small scale because I think as a, I would say from the, um, you know, strategic more to the, um, the tactical level that affecting things on the ground. So I want to achieve strategic goals, but at the tactical level, I want the United States is my enemy. Okay. I'm going to put the red hat on and say, I need to affect the United States. I could be a terrorist organization. I could be a nation state. I could be some sort of financial industry. Mm -hmm. You know, um, these weapons are not, you don't require a nuclear blast to set one of these off. I would target key infrastructure things, such as ports. Take a look at what we've got going on right now, the global supply chain. The the ships that are docked off of the uh, California coast right now trying to get into the Long Beach Harbor and offload their freight. What's going on with that? Well, supply chain issues, blah, 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 blah. Let's make that worse. Let's go ahead and set off an EMP in the Los Angeles area. Something small enough to affect maybe 50 square miles. You have now shut down a major industry hub. You have shut down uh, a population center. So you've got all that chaos and everything that's already going on there. You have the um, the gangs and the criminal element. They're going to take advantage of people. Mm -hmm. So you have a whole huge crisis, humanitarian crisis going on with that. You have the rest of the nation that depends on all of those supplies, you know, um, I'm going to pull this example from one second after they talked about, you know, the insulin is made in uh, this part of Texas. Uh, it's and then it, this part is shipped over here for bottling. But the bottles come from China. OK, where, where are those bottles right now? Well, they're on a ship. OK, so now you're talking about by doing something like that, that ship can't dock. That ship's controlled by a GPS. We learned this with the Suez Canal incident. That ship now is stuck out there. With all the other things that are going on in L.A. with this attack, now you're talking nationwide, you have a run, a shortage of insulin. That's going to affect millions of Americans. Lethal effects. But if I'm an outside entity, you know, that's what I want. I'm, a, I'm doing, I'm getting a lot of bang for my buck. Yeah. Um, now, if I'm a nation state and I have the financial power, now I do multiple targets, New York, Los Angeles. Um, I'd take someplace in Texas, uh, you know, something with the, uh, the fuel industry. Um, Omaha, Nebraska, you know, financial. Uh, hit all these places and think about the ramifications. Yes, me sitting in Pennsylvania, my car is still probably going to run. My TV is still probably going to work. So I'm going to get all the news articles and all that information, all that fear, all that chaos that's going on. The millions of people that live in New York City are now going to be leaving New York City because the lights are off. They don't have any supplies. They don't know what they're doing. Yep. They're, people are going to sit there and wait for the government to come in and help, and there are people that are going to flee. And we're going to have to deal with all of that. Now we have a refugee problem in the United States. Now we're so busy trying to take care of and consolidate here we don't care what's going on in taiwan 
shoot, we don't care that Australia just fell. Exactly. Because we are so, like, yeah, Taiwan fell, but now Australia fell because we're so focused on trying to fix the problems here. You know, on top of that, from a uh, PR standpoint, you know, they like I mentioned before, they can do that. And, oh, we, we, we didn't kill anybody. You know, not like the, the evil United States actually dropped a bomb that melted people. You know, that's, of course, we, we you know, we know that's, not true. It's but, not true. Yeah. But, but yes. that that's definitely a way that a nation state can can try to justify that before the eyes of the world. Yeah. And, and depending it, on how things going, people are going like, okay, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. And then you know, it's they can come in as, oh, we will send aid. Or yeah, I, and it's again because I'm, I'm sorry, folks, I'm a Green Beret, unconventional warfare. They never have to claim that it was them. Yep. It is. They build a network out. They fund some terrorist organization. I mean, it, it is very plausible. Now, these are the conversations that with those that don't necessarily swim in our swimming pool that, you know, have a year's food supply and, you know, ammunition. And, and you know, we're looking at means and methods of generating power through solar or, you know, water supply, all that. They don't want to believe that. They don't want to see that they're they're vulnerable. Just the same way as no one wants to talk about a dirty bomb. But I will tell you that if you use a dirty bomb, you're shutting down the area for months or years. Mm -hmm. You do an EMP, it's weeks. It shoot, it's it could be twenty four hours and you can be in that area. The only effect is your willingness to deal with the people. Yeah. Okay. I was waiting for you to clarify. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no. It's it's the people. That's the problem. The 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 toxin that is released into the air uh, is is man and, you know, our savage nature. I mean, it's been said that, you know, America is only, uh, what is it, nine meals away from chaos. Yeah. I yeah mean, three days. Three yeah. days without food. And, you know, you're not you're not able to feed your children you're going to be willing to do some some things. And we always think about um, those that are willing to do evil things to feed their children. Think about you in that situation. You can't feed your children, but now this other entity is coming and promising you food if you turn, turn over your firearms. You know, food gift cards, we see it all the time. Mm -hmm. All right, um, same thing. There's going to be a lot of people that when they're faced with this, that found themselves unprepared, that have been preparing, you know, they've gone to the flat range a lot. Uh, now, suddenly they're looking at their survival of their children. They're not going to become a marauder. They're not going to go around and start schwacking good people. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll give up my, my AR this time and I'll give up my Glock 19 next time. Um, you know, it, it, it is a danger. There's a lot of tactical applications that you can utilize in EMP and have strategic effects yep. where you're affecting a whole theater. I, I Doing research for this, I, I read this and I found this extremely funny that after um, the book One Second After was written and... I haven't finished the book. You finished the book, right? Yes. So, so yes. how did the how did the attack happen? Do you recall? It was uh, container ships off of the the Gulf of Mexico. Uh huh. Uh, fired missiles up over uh, high altitude over the U.S. Okay. 
So after that book was written, uh, a Russian company started advertising <laughs> missile launchers from container ships. <laughs> like, hey, we can make this happen. We, we can sell this. Uh huh. Yep. That's that's funny. You know, I, that's the um, one of the dangers that that I always feel is like every time I I play like a, a red hat or red cell or something like that, like yeah. Do I want people to know this? Yeah. Um, but in this case, I want you guys to know this. I want you to know that this is a viable option. If someone wants to cause chaos, remember. It's not always overthrow. Sometimes it's just disrupt. Yep. I'm not ready to invade the United States yet. I'm concerned about taking out Japan. I'm concerned about South Korea. I'm concerned about Australia. Let me secure my area of the Pacific first. Yep. And just think about the global supply chain, how much I now control. Now that I control where, you know, all your microchips come from and how dependent we are on technology and especially what we're going to need to rebuild after EMP. Yeah. We're going to put up with a lot of stuff. That's right. We're going to invite them in. That's a danger. That's what we're worried about here. Where do we get most of our microchips? It's not uh, from Taiwan. China. Yeah. Taiwan. Yeah, not yeah. from China. Yeah. It's Taiwan. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot to lose uh, once that happens. Okay. So we've talked about, you know, what is, what it is, we talked about how and, and the why that it can be used and you know, from that tactical, that, that strategic effect. So now what are some of the things that, that we can do to, to protect? And that's one of the reasons why we're, we're talking about this is not to gloom and doom, but, but to prepare. I was recently asked to give what I thought the three most likely disasters were. And therefore, with those three, then we could prepare. And my first thought was a pandemic, a real pandemic, uh, not like what we were experiencing right now but a real pandemic. The second was an earthquake. Uh, and the third was an EMP. And when I said the, the, the third one, the guy who asked me the question, he kind of gave me a funny look like, mm, you're kind of crazy. And even thinking that, but, but I'm not. And the reason why I, I chose those three things is that if he and, and his people would think about and prepare for those three things, they've got everything else covered, floods, everything else that, that could potentially pop up. If you're thinking along those lines of, of those three, then, then you can prepare and your preparations will be, will be okay, you know, for everything else pretty much. You know, it's the 18 Fox's job as we're preparing any, you know, op order or anything like that. What is the enemy's most likely course of action? What is the enemy's most dangerous course of action? And you can take that enemy and apply it to anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, you did exactly that. What's the most likely thing that's going to happen here? Probably an earthquake, right? Or some sort of natural mm -hmm. disaster. What's most dangerous? The EMP kind of falls into that. Yeah. Um, it is a very dangerous and because it's, it is completely plausible. So now that we have brought this to your attention, we're talking about it. The whole point really is then to give you ideas and start you thinking, what are some things that I can do? Maybe some simple fixes that I can do to prepare and to harden myself and to protect some of my electronic goods. Whatever you do, stop buying Willie's Jeeps. The price is getting too high and I need to buy one first. Okay. <laughs> so you just keep buying modern vehicles until I get my classic. All right. So to help you out, uh, that's, that's, that's funny. I'm trying not to look at you. That, that, that's, that's good. Um, to help you out, one of the things we have on our website is we have a selection of, of 
suggested reading different books, some of which we have as free PDF downloads. So you can go to the website, and we have as a free PDF download, uh, it's called MIL-STD-461, and it is the United States military standard that describes how to test equipment for electromagnetic uh, capability. It also has, you know, suggestions and things that are what to do and, and how to harden. Uh, this is the latest edition as of 2015. So there's some information there, maybe good information. Um, definitely also, a starting place. Yeah, this is something to look at. But there are definitely things that you can do. And what I would do is I w would think small. Okay, in case there is a disaster, one of the things that I'm really going to need is some way for communication. I'm going to want to know what's going on in the outside world. So it is a good idea to have shortwave radio. You don't even have to necessarily have a ham where you're, you know, where you're sending, but just something that you can receive as a start. If you have more than that, great. So then I would get, and I have personally, you, you have those receivers and then store them in, in a Faraday cage or store them in a way that it's protected. And, uh, a very cheap and simple thing you can get them at Goodwill is you can buy old microwaves. So an old microwave, if it's insulated enough and it's protected that it's blocking those those waves, those radiation waves coming out, whether warming up your old burrito, um, then it also will protect those electronic devices. So you can pick up a couple of old microwaves. You can put those radios or things inside of them, shut the door, and you know that's a very cheap and inexpensive, a very fast way to start protecting some of those items. You know, a great one is the um, 60 millimeter mortar can. Uh, so it's a large ammo can. You take uh, foam insulation, the um, half inch, the pink stuff you get at uh, Home Depot. You can line the box with that and then ground it. It's big enough that you can put a couple, uh, you know, cell phone, well, cell phone, you get your the towers are going to be damaged, but yeah. you can definitely put your radios, um, some other small devices in there that you might need, might want, extra optic. Uh, you know, I know that Jared for for years has been very proud of his indestructible Trigicon, mm -hmm. uh, tritium optic that I, I have two that he has two now, <laughs> and it you know we we saw the one in the wild, and I'm I'm sitting there debating like oh man that's like five hundred bucks. Ah, do I buy it? Do I buy it? And then I look, and he's buying it. I'm like, ah, oh, all right, iron sights for me. Uh huh. Why? Talk us through that, Chris. Why would you want an ammo can? Okay. Why would you want to insulate it? I mean, just just yeah. so what people so, listening so, so, so it makes so you have sense. A general, general idea. Now, again, I'm not a smart guy. I just surround myself with smart people. So you're now with the ammo can that is insulated. That means that your objects are protected from the outside of the metal container. And because the metal container is grounded, that, that energy wave is going to hit that conductive surface and it's going to go someplace else. So it's going to hit that can. And if you have it grounded, yes. it's going to go to the ground. Go to the ground. And then that insulation is, is protecting your items that, that you have in there. Um, and, you know, something like this, you're talking maybe 30 bucks for the can. Um, a sheet, a four by eight sheet of that pink insulation is like twelve bucks. Mm -hmm. uh, not not crazy expensive. The grounding rods, you know, this is where you know there are people out there that'll be like, oh, they need to be buried nine feet. Yes, that absolutely. If you can get nine feet of grounding rod and pound it, you have a place to put that in. Awesome, do it. Um, 
Something. You know, potentially they could wire that into their, their house. Their house. That's great. Yeah, into, yeah. into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, just uh, show my, my uh, I, don't, I can't use that word. Um, <laughs> tree hugging ancestry, I guess. We'll, uh-huh. we, we'll say that. Uh, you know, because she's been offended more than once. Yes. And she does listen. Yes. Um, so, you know, new age uh, things out there. If you research grounding, there's this whole movement called earthing. Not that my my uh, <laughs> my tree hugging ancestry does the earthing, but it did trigger this uh-huh. in me, and I read about it. Um, it's this whole thing about like you know we're insulated from the earth, <laughs> and so we're not grounded. And uh, there are these people that make these mats that you're supposed to sleep on that actually plug into the ground into in the wall. And so it, it's just hitting the ground and it's supposed to like help balance your ions and stuff. <laughs> I, I, yes, that, that stuff's out there. But why I bring that up is yes, your house is grounded. There are things that you can utilize in your home to help protect. Uh, one of the reasons why a, and shoot, this might be why we have never done it as the United States, a high altitude uh, mass bombardment, is it is still a wave. Um, There are some great articles, Jared and I were talking about one out of NASA earlier, that talk about the wave and how, you know, you you have things such as mountains, you have things such as tall buildings. Just think about trying to use a radio in a city. It's the same thing. That pulse is going to be affected by the environment. So I I was... Before I started doing some research specific for this, um, and also you know for myself, I was always under the impression, thanks to movies and, and literature and stuff, that if you have a car with any kind of electronics in it, that once the EMP hits, then it, it's done. Um, so one of the guys that I was researching and listening to and reading some of his literature, he's a former NASA engineer. He estimated that at least ten percent. But he didn't think much more would be affected by uh, vehicles would be affected by, by uh, an EMP. And that's some of the things he was exactly saying is is because of of that wave and how things are now. Maybe the cars will be affected slightly. Maybe some stuff will be damaged. But as far as like 100 percent of all vehicles going down, he didn't think that was the case. But but regardless, if 10 percent of vehicles are, are out, what if you're one of those 10 percent plus the roads and everything that are going to be clogged up? Yeah, all, all sorts yeah. of problems so will come about. Just, just think about our uh, transit infrastructure, okay? So our shipping. Now we've taken 10% of the semi-trucks off the road. How are we getting those relief supplies to those areas that are affected? And again, going back to, you know, utilizing this in that small scale and talking about pre- preparing for this, um, are you prepared for that collapse of the infrastructure that we're used to. It's not just hardening and making sure that your radios are going to work and potentially that you have some sort of shielding for your vehicle. Um, But are you prepared that when your neighbor no longer has the ability to go to the grocery store, are you prepared when that large population center, uh, the people start fleeing and we start having refugees in our area? I mean, I live in central Pennsylvania if it hits in Philadelphia, where are those people going? If it hits in New York, where are those people going? If it hits in Washington, D.C., where are those people going? 
are we preparing to handle that situation? You know, it's when you're talking about if we prepare for these things, we're covering down on all these other yeah, things. Exactly. That, that's exactly it. You know, do I have fuel? Do I have enough fuel to, to run my, my generator? Because, hey, my house didn't get shut down, but the grid did get shut down. Um, do I have the ability of keeping my freezer running? Do I have the ability to keep the well pump running? Or do I have to go to the hand pump? You know, that gets really obnoxious when you're trying to provide water for five people to take a shower every day. Um, these are the things that we need to think about. And they're going to benefit us across the board. Uh, when we look at our preparations. So in, in doing research, I found this guy. Um, you can check him out. I only know of him. Um, I only know of him now for, for a few days. So and, and everything I've heard so far is pretty good. But you know, maybe he's a wing nut. I, I don't know. But it's on YouTube. And his handle is EMP Doc. Sorry, EMP Doctor. And... There are, he gave suggestions in one of his videos of how to how to prepare and harden your house. And I guess there is some off the shelf. I don't know, use my caveman terms, uh, glorified surge protector that you can actually hook up. So what it does basically is it's going to get fried, but it's going to slow. You know how fast it's it's going mm -hmm. it's going to slow it down just long enough that all your breakers will trip. So then at least everything in your house is going to be be protected from that. Um, so he talks about that. And also the other thing too is, you know, he's the one who mentioned the cars. Um, he gave some suggestions how to protect your car. And I had never, I mean, I knew there, there were small like manila and, and other uh, fabric stuff that you could put electronics in and other things. But he was talking about conductive cloth, which is basically cloth that has metal woven through it as a protection and he said that for vehicles that's one thing that you can use you can drape your your vehicle in this cloth if, if, if you're not wearing it now I, I started looking it up and oh uh, shoot what were the prices do you have that in front of you um 43 inch by 39 inch it's uh 1250 on amazon um 50 meters long uh 600 uh, up to a thousand meters for uh, eleven. Eleven hundred bucks. Eleven hundred bucks. Yeah, we, you know, eleven hundred bucks sounds like oh my gosh, that's that's a lot of money. Me doing research, looking at some things that people have built. They've built these like glorified Faraday sheds out of like a Harbor Freight um, carport frame to drive their vehicle into. Yeah. You know, you're looking at like twenty five, um, you know, thirty five hundred dollars to build something like that. If I just got to put a car cover on, you know, a thousand bucks is not bad when you think that I'll still have my forerunner rolling around. And, and, and again, this cloth is the same idea as what we're talking about, with the ammo can or anything else that you can improvise. It has that metal outside that's going to take the wave or it's going to take that that pulse and then direct it, then direct it away. Yeah. yeah. So that it's not affecting and not hitting your vehicle. Another option is to have, uh, you know, uh, an old vehicle. That doesn't really have any but, no, electronics. That, that's not an option. Why is that? Because I haven't bought mine, <laughs> so everyone needs to stop buying them uh -huh. because I've been looking, and they're pricey, um, or at least too pricey for me right now with what I'm dealing with. Um, you know, i got to be honest, $12.50, I think I'm going to order order some and do some testing Yeah. Uh, just, just to play around with it. I, I think that's a, a good idea. That 
have some fun with that. Um, you have to you have to be thinking about these things. Um, are are you prepared to handle this situation? It goes back to everything like. You know, we talked about making your home into a castle. This is just the next level. Yeah. You know, we're never done in the foxhole. You know, you you, you show up and you dig an 18-inch, you know, by six foot. And you're like, okay, all right, I'm good. And then the first sergeant comes and says, guess what, guys? We're going to be here all night. All right, pull out the E-tool again, and you start filling sandbags. And then you get some overhead cover. And now we're there there and it's three days later and you know we've gone past we have the grenade slump and mm-hmm. you know we have the irrigation now it's time have, to start connecting them now yeah, yeah. now we're starting to build tunnels okay this is kind of that tunnel level stuff I, my mind went completely different direction you saw us trying to not laugh out loud you said the foxhole i know what you're thinking right my first thought was yeah all you you nerds you you 18 foxes in your foxhole you know <laughs> always like oh we gotta <laughs> conspiring we gotta go one level deeper one level so, deeper so what he's referring to generally on a deployment in the house there's one little closet or something that is that is the fox box it's the fox den or the foxhole um that usually the warrant and the 18 fox they they live in this little closet and that's where we do all the the next level planning and all the nerd stuff you know real nerd stuff not that 18 echo nerd stuff with making us be able to talk on the radios just make the thing work it's magic uh the cerebral stuff how our tactical operations are going to affect strategic so while we're sitting here talking i literally just bought a uh a 30, 39 inch by 43 inch square for, uh, wait for it, uh, I think it came out with taxes like 13 something. Um, but shipping on it, estimated delivery, it's going to be between the 19th of November and the 8th of December. <laughs> yes! Yes! So sometime next year, you guys uh-huh. might hear uh, my, my results uh-huh. of playing with that. You, you remind me of all these people like, you know, I don't know. March, April of last year. Um, uh, Jared, um, do you, do you have an extra gun you want to sell me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you bring up a good point. Okay, about selling guns. Uh huh. Okay, not that I'd ever sell guns. Yeah. Um, we talk about having items in your preparations yep. that are alternate economy. Okay, this is a time for it. Oh, absolutely. Think about right now as you're preparing, as you're thinking about EMPs. How much money do you have? on your person right now. I have $46. That's that's what I, I looked in my wallet and what I have on my person. I've got a little bit more in the truck and a little bit more at the house, but the majority of my money is all electronic. It's all digital. Oh, okay. Okay. So other than like the now, sm- now, small bit l- of l- silver. L- let's clarify. You're saying digital as in it's in a bank and a, and a yes. computer says this so yes. much have. You're not talking crypto. No, not okay. crypto. No, right. I'm talking like my bank accounts. That's where I store the majority of my funds. I, I don't store the majority of my funds in silver or gold or precious metals. Mm-hmm. I have that. But it's a, it's a very small percentage of my, my holdings. So if we have... A financial institution or, you know, these banks. And yeah, they have redundant systems in multiple locations. But those multiple locations can be hit. Yeah. All right. Nothing is 
you know, the backups within a backup within a backup, it still can be hit. And do you really think that your personal, like, $20,000 or $150,000 savings that you have, do you think that's what everyone's going to be concerned about when, you know, Omaha is hit? All right. So when you're preparing and thinking, what can I do for an EMP attack that may not necessarily happen in your neighborhood, but it's still going to affect you, what do you have as additional currency? That's a great question. A very good question. Uh, you know, I have some gold and I've got some silver and and uh, I've had plenty of conversations with people like, oh, I never thought of that. Okay. Or some other people like, yeah, I've, I've thought of that too. I've got some. And then other people like, whatever. You know, when, when the economy collapses and everything, well, that that's not going to be any good. Who, nobody cares. And to those individuals who, who think that way or for those of you who, who've never considered having something else, some, something hard, uh, gold or silver or, or, you know, something else. Man, the history of mankind, gold and silver has been the standard in which people have used for bartering, for trade and for buying and for selling. That's it. We just put up on our Facebook page an article from um, Venezuela. Yeah, it's about Venezuela. What, Bloomberg? Oh. Um, or, or Forbes or I don't know. Some... Yeah, it doesn't matter. We just put up an article that's talking about Venezuela and how in uh, the Venezuelans now they're the article says Venezuelans break off flakes of gold to pay for meals and haircuts. So their economy has crashed so hard that right now the only people that can actually do anything, do any buying and selling or, or anything, that's what they've come to. They've come to shave, you know, making small shavings of of gold in order to to buy bread, in order to, to do those certain things. Um so the right now is a good time to take those, as you put it, your your digital money, that money in the bank, and go ahead and invest. Go ahead and, and get some other, get some gold, get some silver, get some things that have intrinsic value, so that if and when uh, the economy does collapse, or when we do have those hard times, you'll have something that you can can do something with. I haven't bought silver in close to a year. Uh huh. Um, like. I bought some right after I bought my house. So we're coming up on that that point. Um, I was amazed at how much silver has increased oh, yeah. in in that year. So I've made money in buying silver. Now, I'm not one of those. I don't play the stock market. I, I'm not buying my silver as an investment. I'm. It's an investment for times that, that I might need it. Um, and it, it is something that is really not hard to do. There are local places that you can go and buy silver. Um, there are online places that you can purchase silver. I find that it's very easy when you have the extra. So, you know, we have our, our money is all of us. We're all, you know, tasked out. Yeah. But when you make that extra, when you have that, that bonus come in, it's very easy to take a thousand dollars that bonus and turn that into silver. You're not going to spend it anyways. You would just throw that in your savings. Well, put it into that physical savings. Another thing that history teaches us, you know, talking about history being, you know, gold and silver. Look at all of the people that have had to flee. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I grew up in um, Southern California. We had Greek uh, friends. Uh, my mom had a, uh, um, a friend from work. He was Greek. His parents were Greek. 
his mother wore so much jewelry. I mean, like, gaudy is not, not the term for it. They wore that because her parents had to flee uh, during some of the civil unrest and strife that happened between Turkey and Greece. And so this is the 80s. Her parents did this. So she was taught it as a little girl. So it probably happened in the 20s or 30s. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was a bad time. Well, she was taught from a young age that you carry your wealth on your body. And so when she's sitting there telling me this story, I'm, shoot, this is the 80s. So I was, I was probably like 11. It, it didn't fully click with me until now. Yeah. You know, you look at the, the Jews that escaped um, Europe, what they escape with, what they could carry. So, you know, that, that fancy wedding ring, that, those nice earrings, the, that necklace, that is all means of, of paying. You know, traditionally, that's, where, that's why there was jewelry, is to have that, that physical wealth, and then it was secured in some capacity. And then with easy times, then it became, you know, oh, no, now it's a status thing, you know, and, and, and trying to, uh, you know, keep up with the Joneses. But in its heart and soul, that's where, that's why people have it. Um, and that's, you know, a, a good idea, a good suggestion for, for these times. Now, Chris, you and I, we came into SF roughly the same time, and you're retired. I'm just about ready to be. You know, we've had those 20 years in the military. When we first got into group, and those guys who had put in 20 years, 25 years, uh, a lot of those guys, what did all of them have? Rolex watch. That's right. So, fun story. We we talk about this individual who's a mentor of uh-huh. both Jared yes, and I yes. all the time. Um, when I was getting ready to graduate the Q course, his wife told my wife, don't let him buy a Rolex. <laughs> really? Because evidently, as soon as he graduated, he bought a Rolex. Oh, of course. Oh, I mean, 80s, right? That there was a standard. And, and I'm sorry, we'll, you finish we'll, your story. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about what? You finish your story. Now, almost, I think it may have been the same night we were at church. He says to me, Chris, as soon as you graduate, buy a Rolex. <laughs> All right. Now, my wife ruled the finances, so uh-huh. I, I do not have a Rolex. Uh, why did SF guys have Rolexes? Exactly. And especially why it was beat into him. Oh, you're now Green Beret. Yeah. You, need, you a Rolex. need a Rolex. Because that's going back to the 70s era, 60s and 70s era. And guys had Rolex and also challenge coins. Now, challenge coins have kind of been around. You, you can trace some of the stuff like to World War One um, with a... With some of the the very first pilots and, and other stuff, but really it didn't become a thing until the '60s, until Tenth um, Group. What was Green the, light uh, teams. Yep. Yep. So that's when the challenge coin really came in. And what was it? Well, real silver, and the Rolex watch, something known around the world for being very expensive. So if these guys were caught behind lines, if if everything fell apart, these were things they could use in that. Everyone knew had value that they could barter with, that they could, you know, here's my watch and now I can get safe passage. Uh, and that that's why. And that's why we have this whole, you know, every unit now, everyone has a challenge coin. Everyone all comes down to SF guys um, in the 60s who had silver coins. So just in case they get caught somewhere, they had something with them to, to buy. And then 
you and I know there are some other units and some other, depending on the mission, they've even been issued like uh, gold. Mm -hmm. They've been issued, you know, silver dollars and and stuff just for that same reason. If we are caught, then we've got something that we can. Part part of the evasion. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, One of my all-time favorite movies is uh, Dr. Strangelove. And I love when... uh, T-Bone Pickens uh-huh. is is reading down the 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 survival kit, you uh-huh. know. Yeah. That doesn't he get like gold coins, yeah, prophylactics, three lipsticks, uh, upper pills, downer pills. Gee, fellas, a fella could have himself a good time in Las Vegas that's with this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know that stuff is real. Yes. And absolutely. Why, why did we have that stuff or why do we have that stuff in case of a dangerous situation? If I have something as a Green Beret who's going to be in a dangerous situation, maybe you out there should think about, hey, what if a dangerous situation happens here? Mm-hmm. Not saying that I live behind enemy lines, but what if there is a major collapse? You know, what if the in- infrastructure falls apart around me? Um, what can I do now that's going to prepare me for then? And having, you know, this is a great one, guys. All right. Your, your significant others out there, this Valentine's Day, man, they're going to get a really nice necklace. Yeah. Okay. And they're going to be like, oh, wow. And they're going to think, he really loves me. Yeah. No, no. So when we need to flee, I'm taking that necklace, and that's how we're going to buy our way out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm not a first group guy. And I, we, should, we should reach out to our first group buddies and ask him. It's a, a barter chain or a bit chain. Um, the guys that go to the Philippines and Thailand and all those places, they get these stupid chains and it's little, um, usually beads of gold. Okay. And that that's a, a, a known, it's like the size of a, a grain of rice. It's a known weight and you can pay with things with that. I, I tried to look it up and I can't remember what it's called. Um, but yes, that is, uh, you know, a form of currency in Southeast Asia. So, same thing. Get your significant other a nice chain with some good fat gold links that you can break apart if you need to. And you're not going to have them sitting there saying, oh, you're spending more money on this preparatory stuff that we don't need. Yes, you're spending money on this preparatory stuff that you hopefully will never need. But they'll enjoy that necklace while they get to wear it. Yeah, they will. You know, there, there are other things out there. Gold silver precious metals absolutely um i'm never gonna sell my firearms yeah um i well, say i say that now so, so slowly roll for a second there and let's let's, let's get back to gold and silver oh, okay yeah uh-huh. so i do want to talk about that a, a little bit more uh because i think it's one of the most uh viable options right now because of its worth and, and how small it is so there are different things you can get you know silver one of the options you can get is you can get pre-65, sorry, pre-64 coins. So it's it's referred to as junk silver. It's 90 proof. But one of the nice things about that is that it, it's minted. So it will be quarters, dimes, half dollars. So it's something that people are, are familiar with. So that might be a little bit easier to trade or, or to barter with, with people who are, are unfamiliar with that when the time comes. I know I've been collecting silver, junk silver uh, since, I don't know since I was probably 16 or 17, just you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, I've made larger purchases later on. But other options, too, are, are bars uh, of different weights. 
Uh, one thing that, if you didn't know, one thing that we do as a company is we do accept gold or silver as payment for, for classes. We've had more than one individual pay us with a kilo of, of silver uh, in order to, to run a, a three-day class. Um, we, we certainly accept that. But there are also some cool things now that, that people, uh, uh, that different mints have, have made. And one is there are places that you can get a one-ounce silver bar. Actually, it's like a card. It's flattened about the size of a credit card that will fit inside your wallet as a credit card. So it's something that you can keep with you at, at all times. And then if you need be, you can, you can get it. There's also other options with, I've seen with gold, where they'll have an ounce of gold or a couple of grams of gold. Uh, and that are, are that are cut or perforated so that you can break off small little pieces as payment. So unlike in Venezuela, you don't necessarily have to you know take a knife and, and, and <laughs> shave. Or you know if you're really feeling bad, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that gold tooth out and, and, and pay with that. But there are definitely different options and stuff. And we've already talked about jewelry, gold jewelry. Yes. And that was one thing that I, in some of the hits that I did early on in Iraq. Uh, this was when I was with the, I didn't never saw it when I was with SF, but only when I was with the 82nd and it's probably the time difference. So I was there right after you. So that was what, 2004? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2004. And some of the hits we did when, when they were um, bath party individuals who had been fairly well off and wealthy, there was a lot of, of gold chains and some really thick stuff there as, as well. And that's just the way that you know, they kept well, their wealth. Yeah, I mean, any of you that traveled abroad, like the gold souks, the gold souk in Riyadh, uh, that is, it's impressive what you can get there. And it's all market price. Um, one of those things where right place, wrong financial situation, <laughs> uh, because gold was actually at the time um, at a kind of a low. Mm-hmm. It was right before everything started uh, really picking up there in like 2000. Uh, 15, 16. Um, I'm in the gold souk and I just, I got what I could get. Yeah. Uh, but I wish I could have gotten more because it has definitely gone up in value and you could literally buy, you know, grams to pounds uh, right there. And it was pretty awesome site. Uh, something that we, yes, we have our, our, places that you can buy gold here and there are mints and things like that not on the same level though yeah and and you know there's something the old joke about the arab camel trader like they're offended if you walk in there and say well the market price says that it's you know twelve hundred dollars an ounce if you walk in there and say well the market says twelve hundred dollars an ounce but i'm willing to give you 1150 today he will feel a little bit honored that you Uh felt like you know that you could you could communicate with him you know you won't offend him that way here we don't have that. Usually it's like, well, the market says twelve hundred. I'll give it to you for twelve fifty. Yeah, so I got to make mine exactly. Yeah, they're not feeling right or comfortable unless you're, you know, haggling with them. Yes, oh. and it, yeah, I love that about the <laughs> the souk. So you were going to go oh, into yeah, some yeah. other things. Yeah. So other other items that are things to think about. Um, what are you willing to store and have on hand that you could utilize in the future? Um, medical supplies. Yeah, I'm, I might need those. But I can also have extras. Uh, alcohol 
you know, the, the vices. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I might, you know, th- this guy who, who doesn't drink, me, I might have a case of uh, liberal tears vodka in the house, just uh, just in case. <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you what brand of vodka is because I have no idea. But it was <laughs> literally whatever was the cheapest at the class six that I could buy as a case. Yeah, there you and, go. And it was, you know, one of those things like, are you going to drink that? Or, no, <laughs> not for me. Um, but think about Things that people might need. So, yeah, think along the lines of a vice that you don't have. Uh, you know, Jared and I, neither one of us drink. So having cheap booze, <laughs> that's not a loss for me, uh-huh. you know. Uh, we can always use it for other things if we need to. Yeah. I'm multi-purpose. Yes. That, that is definitely the way to look at it. So it's just like with the jewelry. It serves a multi-purpose. Valentine's Day, covered. Mm-hmm. Down the road, it could save your butt. So when you're thinking about that alternate economy, um, think of things that you can store long term, um, something that is a vice that, that doesn't necessarily apply to you, uh, that isn't going to lose its value. Um, and then also, is it something that's viable of storing? You know, is it going to go bad? Is it something that I'm going to have to replace? Then you might want to look somewhere else. Um, again, you can't beat the precious metals. No. They will have value forever. Yeah. Don't care who you are or what's going on. They, it will have value. And just coming from history, um, gemstones are great. But when the time is you know pressing, they don't have the same value that uh, that the gold, the precious metals. So mm-hmm. that that big giant rock in in your wife's uh, engagement ring that may not have the same value as it does today. Uh, because it's hard to break up and, you know, and things that, like that. That's the thing yeah. is, is at least with gold, uh, you have the ability to to break up into smaller weights to yeah yeah like those people you know shaving it for haircuts. And, I mean, we're not even going to go into the whole blood diamonds things and how you can finance <laughs> wars use, utilizing uh, uncut stones. But uh, think realistically about your situation and what you can do. All right. One of the main things that have driven this conversation is we're talking about EMPs, but there are other things also down the road that that could cause an economic collapse or could could really send us toward hard times. Uh, The Great Reset is definitely one that I know I'm concerned about. And part of that really is the destruction of the U.S. dollar and the need to to do away with the dollar as the world standard uh, currency and when and if that that happens, we're going to be hurting as a nation. We're going to be hurting pretty bad. Uh, you know, I won't spend the time right now to get into the Great Reset, but it's something to uh, you know, to, to look into. Uh, yeah, I guess that's about all I'll say about that. You know, one of the reasons why I guess we've had this conversation and we've talked about this is one of the roles that we have here with this forum is, uh, as as the old saying goes, we're we're watchmen on a hill. And it's our responsibility to to share and to warn uh, and give be that that voice of that voice of warning. So, you know, maybe a lot of you have thought about these things, but I know there's a lot of you that haven't. Or maybe if you've come across the idea, you've kind of thought about it and then then push it out of your mind and not treated it as serious as as you might be able to. Again, we're trying to warn and forewarn so that you're better prepared at the same time. We are not here encouraging you to to go to extremes. Uh, we're not saying 
run up all your credit cards and go into debt with the idea of I, I need to buy the silver right away or I need to buy enough cloth to cover my house. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're not saying that. Um, again, with with our philosophy of, of being that light fighter, being well-rounded, we're encouraging you to, to be well-rounded. I think it's very wise to have some of your wealth stored in silver and gold. Uh, I know I do. I also have money in the bank. Uh, I also have some cryptocurrencies. So let's assume that there is uh, no... Let's not get crazy. There is no economic collapse and things just keep going status quo. Um, you know, the the cryptos that we have, they're just going to keep growing in, in, in wealth. And, and maybe, you know, that's something that, again, as a hedge, trying to be well-rounded, uh, maybe that's something that will pay off. But if everything does collapse, those cryptos will be worthless. And then that's why I have some gold. Uh, and that's why I have some silver. Again... I'm not, and we are not promoting and trying to, you know, you need to go to the extreme. It's kind of like uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yes, exactly. We're encouraging you to to be well-rounded and, and to think about some of this stuff. Uh, I know we're always working to improve. I actually have been concerned with EMPs. I've taken some steps, like, like I've already mentioned, you know, let's say with the, um, the uh, microwaves and, and some other things. But I, I learned a lot as well. I really was thinking, well, until I get a super old vehicle and fix it up, I'm just going to have to count on my vehicle being a lost. I honestly had never even considered, oh, I can get a, this, this cloth and, and, and do it myself. I, I know a man uh, that keeps horses, and he keeps horses for, you know, if there's an EMP situation. Yeah. Uh, he not just horses, but pack mules yeah. as well. It has all the stuff that goes along with it. He also likes that stuff. That is also his hobby. I'm not saying that all of us need to go out and invest in a horse. <laughs> okay. Uh, realistically, it's not a bad idea to have a bike. Yeah. You know, something that you pedal, good exercise, multifunction. Yep. You know, um, this is really... Like Jared said, we're seeing things that are out there, potential hazards, and we're just trying to highlight it so that you can be aware and that you can think about it. And you need to do that. You need to think about your situation and what you need to do to prepare. Absolutely. Well, I think this is a good place to, to wrap up. We really appreciate you guys listening. And it's it's a pleasure to, to talk to you and bounce our, our ideas off of you. We are going to be doing another question and answer episode in probably in about a month. Um, so send those questions and, and thoughts uh, our way. We're happy to uh, to answer those and get into those. And, yeah, you guys stay safe. We'll talk to you next time. Prep the EMP. Let's take these defenses down.